0: ओम सहना भवतो सहनो भुगतो सहवीरयं करवावहै
1: He said that Arjuna's grief was for two reasons. One was death of his near and dear ones was the cause of the grief. Other is the sense of guilt arising from his notion that I will become the killer. You would say this is reasonable. I mean, anybody would feel sad. I mean, you know, what do you mean? You're near and dear, once are going to die, you would not feel sad. Or that you are, you kill, you become a killer of people who are near and dear to you, or you kill anybody, would that not cause grief or sense of guilt? So Vedanta says even that need not cause grief, that's all we can say. It, it's understandable… emotional level that all of these will cause grief or sadness, but it doesn't have to. Depends on how we perceive things. How I perceive a phenomenon called death? How I perceive this phenomenon called my performing actions? One way of perceiving them as we do, that yes, somebody died very close to me, someone near and dear to me, that person died. There is a tremendous loss in my life. That is one perception. We don't say this is a wrong perception. This is a perception. Or that I perform an action which was, which brought about, this hurt or death to somebody and therefore I did something which is terrible. That perception is there. But there is another perception also. All we are saying is that there is another perception as well that when the death is taking place, death is not taking place also and when I am doing something, I am not doing something also, there is also a perception. That death is taking place. But Lord Krishna says that even when death is taking place, there is something that does not die. Even when you are doing something, in fact, really you are not doing it. How do you say that? Some, that that really there is no death. Well, the self does not die because it is not born. When the body is slain, the self is not slain. When the body is hurt, the self is not hurt. When the body is born, self is not born. When the body dies, self does not die. Then there is a birth and death, all these things taking place at a certain level which is the physical body. And if we equate the self to physical body, if I equate myself to physical body, then I can say I was born, I will die and I am hurt. But this conclusion that there is real death and real birth and real doing is all based on equating the self with the body. But self is different from the body. Body is not different from self, but self is different from the body. Like an actor putting on a, a costume and acting like a beggar. So yes, there is a beggar, no doubt about. It. That is a perception that there is a beggar who is begging, who is weeping, and who is hurt, who all, all things are being done to him. You know, yes, that is also a perception. But the other perception also that in fact there is no begging taking place. Isn't that so? From this standpoint of the actor. It's, it's acting in fact there's no real begging take, taking place even though that person appears to be hurt and crying tears coming from his eyes in fact there's no crying also is it not so there are two perceptions one perception on what it superfluously, superficially appears other perception it, what it really is that's the first thing Lord Krishna wants to point out that yes, there is something called a birth, there is something called death, we cannot deny that, but then, it is a death, birth of the body, death of the body, and, birth of the body, does not mean the self is born, death of the body, does not mean the self dies, Lord Krishna in fact, gives an example, just as, a person, discards, worn out garment, and takes up, a new garment, in a manner, similar to that, the self, discards, this old body a worn out body and takes up a new body we need not so worn out body it discards the previous body takes up a new one and so death is like changing the costume death is like discarding the old costume and birth is assuming a new costume <clears throat> what is there to be sad about it's good in fact, death may very well be a blessing to the person who died. It's not a blessing to those who are alive or left, but then it may very well be a blessing to the person who died. But okay, he has used his body enough. And now he can proceed with his spiritual journey and, and he'll be given a new body to, you know, so that he can move faster. Who knows? But as I said, when we recognize that in spite of death of the body, the self does not die, self is immortal, and that is my true nature. That it is merely, it is similar to giving up a costume, giving up a, a worn-out garment. If, that is also true. It's not that it is, a, you know, it is not only a, another perception, it is a, a truer perception also. <clears throat> that on the stage, somebody's begging is a perception <coughs> but the truer perception is that in fact no begging is going on that is a truer perception if you knew the identity of the one who is begging then you realize that in spite of appearing to beg he does not really beg in spite of appearing to be beeping etc he does not so it is that perception that Lord Krishna gives right away no cause for sadness as you know You need not feel sorry for them, Nor need you feel sorry for yourself. Because, there is no real death for them, because they are all immortal, so are you. And don't feel sorry about yourself, because you don't really do. You think that you are performing your actions, you are not. As will be told in the fourth chapter, the third chapter also said, fourth chapter also will explain to us, how, in fact, self, does not perform any activities, all actions get performed in presence of a self, the self, the doership is not in Atma. When doership is there, then the sense of guilt can be there. When enjoyership is there, sense of hurt can be there. I can be hurt when I am not treated properly. I can feel guilty if I do not treat somebody properly provided it, I am the agent of action and provided it, I am the real experiencer or object of action Lord Krishna said both of these do not know because self neither performs action nor does it become an object of somebody's action therefore that I am a doer of an action is a a false notion from the standpoint of the self, from standpoint of the real nature of myself, and that I, I will die or I cause death to somebody also is a false notion when we view this whole thing from the standpoint of the reality of the self, which is ever immortal, ever actionless. If you knew this, then what? that everything is just a drama really. Things are happening and still not happening. Like an actor, there is a drama. He is begging and still not begging. Then it becomes a drama. Otherwise you weep along with him. As when we are watching movies, we become so absorbed in that, we also start feeling the same thing. We also start weeping along with them. I forget my identity and because of identification, I become someone different from what I am. Then yes, but if you retain your state as a spectator, then what's happening there, you can enjoy it. Even though there is weeping going on there, all kinds of stuff is going on in the screen, as long as you know that it's all movie, it's all play, then you enjoy it. If you think it's real, then of course you uh, you suffer along with it. So Lord Krishna says that when you come to know your true nature, you are not what you take yourself to be. You are not this body, you are not this mind, you are not the intellect. You are the witness, you are the consciousness because of which the body is alive, because the mind is functioning, because I see. You are not the seer, it is you because of whom seeing takes place. You are not the hearer, it is you because of the hearing takes place. It's in your presence that these things happen and you are not the doer. Gatasun, Agatasum se nano panditaha. Panditaha, the wise people who know the self truly as the self is, they do not see a real death. They do not see a real action. What they see is what it is that self is a platform upon which all this play of doing etc. is taking place. And therefore, it's all there, and like play, not, there is nothing absolute, real. In Vedanta, you call it play or mithya. It's you know things appear, but then that's not the reality. <clears throat> this is called the paramarthika, trusty, or the looking at the situation from absolute standpoint, which is a real standpoint anyway. But mostly we are not ready for that, Swami. What do you mean? You know, you mean there should be no death? I mean, there's no grief and this takes place. You mean, I should not feel guilty when I did something wrong? You should feel guilty because you think that you did something. Then of course, there'll be guilt. Guilt will not be there only when you know that I did not do anything. So, Taithriya Upanishad says, A wise man is not tormented by the memories of this past when that How come I failed to do something good? How come I did something evil? This kind of memories, this kind of sense of regret he does not have because he knows that he did not do anything. And I say, it's not a license to do what you want. It is the knowledge that we are talking about. Not that a wise person will ever do anything that is unbecoming. No, we don't expect it. But as I said, in fact, no real doing takes place. So this was, as I said, the giving the True perception. If this is our perception about ourselves and about everything, then there is no sadness, no problem. This is the solution to my problem and every problem in the world. All the problems we are talking about, problems of conflict, all sorts of things that are happening, is only because of ignorance. taking myself to be a limited being and therefore looking upon myself as an insecure person and therefore I am seeking security. So if I have more power and then I become more secure, therefore I build up military, I build up all the weapons and I build up technology and I build up all kinds of empires I build in order to become secure because I perceive myself as an insecure person. But you see all of these things happens. Whatever kind of aggressions are there are there because people want to feel more empowered and they think that by controlling others and, and, and by uh, subduing others that they will be more empowered because they feel that they are not empowered as they are. That's a perception. Understanding is false perception of oneself that causes aggression in the first place. And that other fellow feels that his object of action, is a bhokta, therefore he feels injustice also, that is also due to his own perception of himself. If I look upon myself as an ego, then certainly I feel there is injustice. If I knew that I am Satchidananda, there is no injustice, nothing. I, mean, I don't expect that such a novel knowledge will be available to everybody, but suppose it was there, there would be no problem. There is no need for aggression at all. Because all aggressions spring only from a sense of insecurity, you know that security or fearlessness of nature you don't need anybody else or anything else for you to be secure. If this is your knowledge, then there is no need for you to do something to become secure and make somebody insecure. Thus all these Vyavara is taking place at the level of ignorance. Ignorance that gives rise to wrong perception of ourselves and wrong perception of others and that creates a sense of ego or individuality which again requires a sense of mamakara or sense of ownership and that again brings about what we call likes and dislikes. When I equate myself to the body, then I am going to feel mortal because body is subject to death and therefore I am going to feel that I am mortal. There is always my fear of death. When I equate myself with my intellect then with my knowledge, I am going to feel little. I will always be threatened by people who are more knowledgeable than I am. I'll be threatened by people who are stronger than I am. People who are wealthier than I am always will threaten. And so I I do something. Both the haves also do, have-nots also do. Out of fear. But understand that fear itself or insecurity itself is cause of ignorance. Ignorance of the true nature of ourselves that alone causes a sense of smallness. And therefore a sense of insecurity, fear. And most of the things that we do are then out of a sense of fear or insecurity. <clears throat> then I need to possess things in order to feel secure. And whoever aids me in doing that, I, 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 I like them. Whoever threatens me in my pursuit, I dislike them. So likes and dislikes are natural consequences of my sense of smallness. And therefore, what I do is done out of insecurity, out of likes and out of dislikes. Who is a wise person? Vita rāga bhaya Lord Krishna describes a wise person as the one who is free from rāga, bhaya and krodha. Free from attachment, free from fear, free from anger. So the attachment, de- this is dependence and fear and anger. All of these are as long as I do not know truly who I am as long as I take myself to be a limited being, a small, insecure, insignificant being, as long as I take myself to be so, so long I cannot escape these attachments and these likes and dislikes and fear, I cannot escape them. The whole life is only lived at the level of fear and attachments and aversions. Everybody, including the big nations and small individuals, everybody acts only (laughs) out of Attachment, aversion, fear and insecurity. (coughs) There are some little more enlightened persons and they recognize this is not the way to do. Then there are other movements as well like protecting environment, protecting the weak, then you know the, the... what you call the human rights and whatever. All these movements are there which are... which are very beautiful movements but they do not accept, you know, that what is happening is right. But anyway, the idea is that all the problems of struggle and all the problems of I mean conflicts and aggression and never hurt and suffering everything that we see, understand that all of that is due to ignorance of the self or ignorance of the reality. Call it self, call it God, call it truth, it is ignorance and wrong perception that brings about all this conflicts and problems in the whole world so only solution is this we can diplomatically I mean you can manipulate things then you can rearrange things then okay you know you you produce you don't produce that and you can have all kinds of treaties it's all nice to do but as long as ignorance is there you cannot solve this problem forever ultimately people have to become enlightened really then alone the problems can be solved so understand that what Vedanta offers us is a solution to all problems. Forget about the whole world, at least we can solve our problems. You know, whether the world will do it or not, we don't think they will. Because our insecurity, I always hang on to my so-called traditions and therefore everything else is wrong. So all the different problems are there. But at least we can put this into our practice in life and this is meant for that. And this perception can become ours provided we live a life based on this perception. As long as we live the life based on our perception of my being small, insecure, needy person so long the smallness, insecurity, neediness will be perpetuated, understand? As long as I live my life And do what I do, as motivated by a sense of smallness or insecurity or fear. So long, the smallness, insecurity, fear will be perpetuated. Is it not so? Like the story of the tenth man, he searching for the tenth man. As long as he thinks that the tenth man is lost, so long, tenth man will never be found. And so, so, as long as I have concluded that I am a small little insignificant creature, that I am insecure, I am needy, and my actions are all performed based on that perception of myself, then that neediness will never go. At least in our life, it is this perception, which is what we call the, 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 based on the nature of reality, when that is put into practice, that is called yoga, that's called life of yoga. Therefore, we should practice this before it becomes, we own up this knowledge. Understand? Now that we understand this, what is needed is to own up this knowledge. then alone it blesses us. How do we own up that knowledge? When we live a life which is based on this perception and not on the false perception. Swami, what will this perception do? This perception tells you that you are all right, you are whole, you are complete, you are limitless. So what do I do, Swamiji? What would you do? You think that you just have a thousand dollars in your bank account, that's all you have, you don't know what's going to happen after one month, this is all anxiety. And some, all of a sudden you are told that, do you know they you inherited ten million dollars? <throat> And suppose overnight you become multi millionaire, what will you do? Oh, I become very generous Swami, I'll be charitable. So if you knew that you are, you are very rich or wealthy, you automatically become very generous also because you know you can afford. As long as I feel that I'm a pauper, I can't afford to do anything. But when I recognize that I'm a wealthy person, I can afford to help others. So also when I recognize that wholeness or completeness is my nature, then what will be my life of helping others? Because I don't need any help really. Swamiji, that's what you say, but my mind keeps on coming with all kinds of needs again and again. I need a lot of help. Understand, that is based on my wrong conclusions. But if I function on the right perception then I will not justify my needs. Even though my mind keeps on coming up with the needs, I won't justify knowing that these needs are based on wrong perception, wrong conclusions. Instead of that, I'll replace that. This is called Pratipakshabhavana, taking the opposite position. My mind is a position that I am a needy person, the way it comes up with all kinds of needs. My intellect now is another position that I am not needy. So, talking about alignment of the mind and intellect, Mind is a habitual faculty, and therefore it has been functioning on this wrong perception for time beginningless. So it's not going to change right away. The intellect has capability of learning, and therefore when we expose ourselves to the teaching, then the intellect gets the perception, that's right. But that understanding of intellect has to percolate to the mind, has to bring about a complete transformation in the mind which is habitual faculty reacting faculty impulsive faculty so we act out of impulse we act we react because in the mind these thoughts are already this is what the hard wiring you know this hard wire mind is hard wire. what is hard wire? i am needy i am small i am insecure hard wiring And therefore, by its habit, in every situation, mind will want to use every situation to fulfill its need. Every situation. When I'm doing something, when I'm talking to you, when I'm helping you, serving you, eating, whatever I'm doing, the mind is so clever. That stealthily, it uses every situation to fulfill some need or the other. If we if you pay attention to the mind then you find out how the mind is always manipulating every situation to its own advantage. <clears throat> At that time you would bring this new perception into play and tell that mind, come on mind, don't be a beggar. There's no need for you to be a beggar. Recognize that you're whole and therefore don't uh, Don't always be in the lookout of seeking some benefit everywhere, always seeking some advantage, always seeking some profit. On the other hand, try to offer, try to give. So, when this perception is put into practice, it can bring about a transformation from a life of always begging to a life of giving. This is called tyaga or renunciation. This is called renunciation is not an act, but renunciation comes from the understanding. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Yagnathat karmananyatra karma karvabandana, tadasam karmakamteya, mukta Here Arjuna whenever an action is performed with a self-centered motive then that action becomes binding, meaning that the self-centeredness only gets perpetuated and becomes more intense. On the other hand, when an action is performed as other-centered, with a genuine spirit of reaching out, with a genuine spirit of being of help, with a genuine spirit of making an offering of whatever I have, one way of looking at myself is, I don't have millions of things, which is true also. And therefore, I can always justify my wants because I don't have things. Another perception is, I have many things also. That is another perception. And with that perception, I can justify giving also. I can justify begging if I look upon myself as, as wanting. I can justify giving if I look upon myself as a person who has plenty. So that also is the perception. On one hand, I can say that I have plenty. On the other hand, I can say I have nothing. I have nothing, Swami. Look, a few clothes, two pairs of shoes, a small little house, a crummy car. That's all I have. Look what all he has. There's one perception other is do you have hands yes legs can you see can you hear can you feel can you think can you talk yes 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 there also you have and you can put all those things to use you have an organ of speech say some kind words with that giving doesn't mean that you always have to give money whatever you have God has given something to everybody. Nobody has come totally empty-handed here. Everybody has come with something. Somebody may have a lot, somebody may have limited, somebody may have a little, but everybody has something. An ant also has something. An elephant also has something. Like this, this uh, conversation between a mountain and a squirrel. Mountain tells the squirrel little, little creature in look at me. How huge I am? I'm carrying forest on my back? Look at this. How many living, how many beings are supported by me? What are you doing? What can you do? You're nothing. Squirrel says, Yes, I cannot carry mountain, I mean, forest on my back. I cannot do that. But I can crack a nut, which you cannot do. (laughs) So squirrel can crack a nut, and mountain can carry forest, doesn't matter. It is everybody has been given something. We can respect that. We can respect ourselves, and we can respect whatever we have. Yes, you can. You can put in more effort to cultivate what you have. No doubt about that. Whatever, whatever capacities are given, we can always cultivate them to become more, you know, to, with a greater capacity. That is fine. But just because I'm not somebody else, and I'm not like somebody else, therefore I'm useless, that is not the case. I'm not as intelligent as somebody, okay. I'm not as strong as somebody, alright. But you have some intelligence, some strength, something you have. And whatever you have, you can offer. Because Lord Krishna says that, the whole world is functioning, only around the spirit of offering. If everybody was like human being, the world would collapse. Thank God that, God has not given that freedom to anybody else, to withdraw or to, to drop out from the spirit of offering or yajna. So everybody is made to do that automatically, and therefore, wherever I look? In the whole world, other than human beings. What happens is, very often our world view is only ma- based on just human society. That is not the whole thing in the world. What has God done? You know? Even mean God has created this suffering? Created that. But this starvation, suffering is human beings. They are a very small minority understanding the whole universe. Very small minority. If you take the, uh, the count of uh, what they call the, uh, the census Human beings are six billion people. How many, how many billions of insects are there? How many billions of flies are there? How many billions of mosquitoes are there? How many billions of animals are there? How many billions of plants are there? Billions and billions, where are we? Should we have to conclude about the condition of the universe based on, you know, human society, or should you to conclude, do a conclusion based on the whole universe? Everywhere else things are going on well, there's no problems. The plant and animal kingdom are no problems. The people are no problem. They all live in harmony with each other. The whole universe lives in harmony. And only human being has to learn how to do that, that's all. And so Lord Krishna shows the look everywhere, this yajna or universal yajna or a cosmic sacrifice is going on. Anna Advaandi Bhutani. Parjanyat Annasambhava, Yajnyat Bhati Parjanya, Yajnya Karma That the living beings are born of food. The food is produced from the rains or water. Rains are possible because of Yajna. Rains are possible because there is a spirit of sacrifice or offering. That's what brings about rains and sustains the whole universe. So Lord Krishna says that what sustains the universe is the spirit of yajna or sacrifice which the whole world automatically follows. The clouds are not uh, greedy and the clouds don't retain water with themselves. They, they give them, you know, clouds give up water when the time comes. No, I will, I will just hold it to, you know, with myself. If we were clouds, I don't think we will give out water. We will create big storage tanks and stuff like that. Whatever we will do, all technology will develop so that I don't have to give out water. Clouds give up. The water also gives itself up and gets transformed into the plants and vegetables. They also give themselves up and get transformed into our food. The food also gives itself up and gets transformed, gets digested and transformed into the energy that also gives it run and becomes a body. Then body also should do that. There is a whole chain. But when it comes to human body, that process stops. Other fellows are no problem. Rest of the living beings, they offer their bodies also. They eat food and they become somebody's food. Okay. But here I won't do everything and nobody should eat me. All these things seems to stop when it comes to the human being. That is why... Human being needs the teaching, Buffaloes and donkeys don't need, because without teaching also, they do what, what is to be done. I'm not suggesting we become buffaloes or donkeys, what I'm saying is that, they're already in tune with the cosmic harmony, with what we call the ecological balance, is automatically maintained by them. Only human being has the freedom to abuse the free will. And therefore, we need to be told how to use our freedom. If we abuse the freedom, we hurt others and hurt ourselves also. If we properly use the freedom, we help others and help ourselves also. So this is what Lord Krishna teaches. Use your freedom properly. Look at the world and see how the rest of the world is functioning. And you also adopt that spirit. For your own good. You are not obliging somebody by, by contributing. As the Swami says, from a consumer, become a contributor. Of course, Swami, market economy is based on consumption. <laughs> if people are like you, then this whole economic system will not work. People like me, they, perhaps that may be true. Who preserves everything? You know, in India they preserve also the, the plastic bags. They don't throw away anything. Everything is preserved. Containers also are preserved. Wherever they can use, they will use them. Like a coconut tree, every part is used. So, it's it's up to us how to... uh, We don't... We think that uh, we are happy, more we consume, happier we are. That's what we think. Lord Krishna says, more you contribute, happier you are. So gives us a different insight gives insight Bhagavad Gita gives us the insight into the basic reality of life we have many wrong notions we think that more we have more secure we are more we consume happier we are so these are wrong conclusions Lord Krishna says more you contribute happier you are and that's how what we call yajna, the spirit of sacrifice, a of self-offering is what is taught in the second chapter, third chapter, called karma yoga. So that progressively and as I said, this has to be done. Something has to be known and something has to be done. It's not all, know, all knowing, it's doing also. Sometimes Vedantins don't understand that, you know, they think that just, we understand everything that's enough, that's enough, provided your life is in harmony with your understanding. My understanding is one and my life is something else, well then it doesn't work. The understanding blesses me when my life is in keeping with that understanding. Therefore it is a process of implementing this perception into our life which is what we call yoga. And it's a slow and painful, painful, it's a slow process. Because we have to become aware of the workings of our mind. We have to understand how this insecurity, fear, selfishness is all deeply built into the mind, hardwiring. And therefore, we have to bring about the changes all along. Every time the mind comes up with the idea of insecurity, we bring this perception into play and then changes. Therefore, that is the process. That's why Lord Krishna says, say in the fourth chapter, tat yoga samsiddha Siddha, Kaleena vindhadehi that you must gain perfection in the yoga. In course of time, you will gain this knowledge. Knowledge is the greatest purifier, because knowledge will completely change all our attitudes, will change our priorities. Knowledge means a different perception, and therefore it's a great purifier. But when that new perception is put into practice, in the course of time, that knowledge will become yours. <clears throat> so this is what has been taught in the second and the third chapters of Bhagavad Gita and then we begin the fourth chapter. So what Lord Krishna says, the fourth chapter, begins with a statement of Lord Krishna. What is the reason why Lord Krishna says what he says at the beginning of fourth chapter? Is what has gone by so far. I mean what has been taught in the second and third chapter, that is the basis of what Lord Krishna says in the opening of the fourth chapter. Therefore, this was needed. It was needed for us to get an overview of the teaching of the second and third chapters of the Gita, for us to understand the, the background, to understand what Lord Krishna, why He is saying what He is saying. So we'll, we'll take it up in our
0: next class. <coughs> Om purna purnamidam purnaat purnamudachchare purnasya purnamadaaya purnameva vaa vashishye re Om shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaraacharyam Keshavam Madarayanam Sutra bhaashya vande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratme De Murti Veda Vibhaginae Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtae Namaha Om Shantishan Hari Om Sri Guru Vyo Namaha Hari Om